Mark chapter 4. We're going to pick up right where we left off, Mark chapter 4. And for those that don't know me, my name is John Mark. I am uh, part of the teaching rotation here. I also lead the youth. I also help with sound and media. I also, I'm a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. So if you need something done, just come find me. Uh, but beyond that, so now that I've introduced myself, uh, who here, thinking back to biology class in high school, who here enjoyed biology class in high school? Okay, a few. Who here despised biology class in high school? Wow, more than I thought. I actually despised biology class so much because I was like, why do I need to study this? Why do I need to learn this? I am not going to need this in my entire lifetime. And, and if there's any kids in here, I don't want to spoil it for them, but I've never used anything I learned in biology. Actually, I take that back. I didn't learn anything in biology because I rebelled against it. I, I rebelled to the point of not even doing my homework. I rebelled to the point of I didn't turn in any homework the whole year. I didn't study for any tests or quizzes. I was like, I am not going to do this because it's irrelevant to me. I don't see the point. I'm not going to do it. And I rebelled, and it cost me a month of summer school. But looking back, I probably could have turned in at least the homework and saved myself from summer school, but I didn't. I rebelled against it because I didn't feel like it was relevant to my life. I, I chose to not study. I chose to not dig in. I chose to not participate because I did not feel it was relevant to my life. We do that here as adults, too. You know, we just came through a big political season. How many of you hit skip every time a political ad came on? Yeah, I did, too. You change the channel. It's like, I don't even want to hear it. But we're like kids. We plug our ears, you know, run around screaming or whatever. We don't want to hear it. We, we have certain things that we want to listen to, that we feel are important to us, and we have other things that we disregard because we don't feel it's important to us. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had many different people following him. There were large crowds coming out from, from 90 miles away. They, they were coming out. This was a time before social media. <coughs> this was a time before the internet and even public transportation. They were walking. They were journeying because of word of mouth to come out and hear Jesus speak. Then there were some scribes and Pharisees. Some of them there out of curiosity, but most of them were there to check on who is this Jesus. They were sent by the religious leaders. And then there were others. There were, there were the disciples and uh, a, a small group of followers that called themselves the disciples, and then the 12 that followed Jesus. And out of this whole group, if we were there today and we took a, a poll, why do you follow Jesus? Why are you following Jesus? We'd get hundreds of different answers. We'd get, I got this back pain, and I heard that he's a healer. Or we'd hear something like, well, you know, we haven't had a prophet in 500 years. I heard he's a prophet. I want to see what God has to say for, to us. You'd hear some, well, you know, we heard he's... We heard he's going to spark a rebellion, and, you know, we either want to be a part of it or we want to stop it, you know, that kind of thing. And there was many, many different reasons why people came out to follow Jesus. They all had their reasons. And, and for each and every one of us this morning, why do we follow Jesus personally? Why do I follow Jesus? We will see through Jesus' ministry as we study through Mark that some only follow for a little while and then seemingly taper off. So why do some follow for a little while and taper off, and others seemingly follow for a lifetime? 
And then, then there's the third group, the others that reject him totally, don't even begin to follow him. What? Why does this happen? I mean, it's literally the same message preached to all three groups. So let's start with us here today. Why are we here? The reason why I ask why is because that's going to determine the how. How long I follow Jesus. How deeply I follow Jesus. How far I'm willing to follow Jesus. And how much I'm willing to allow Jesus to change my life. The how determines, or the why determines the how. Why we follow Jesus will determine the how we follow Jesus. This morning in our study, Jesus will say to those following, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And spoiler alert, he wasn't referring to those with the ability to hear. Rather, those with a willingness to listen. This phrase, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, literally means a willingness to hear with the intent of conforming my life to the message I heard. Let me say that again. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, refers to a willingness to hear with the intent of conformity. As we read Jesus' words and we study what he said, it'll be up to each and every one of us whether we choose to hear and choose to listen or whether we choose to refuse or reject what we've heard. So this morning, like I said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, chapter 4, verse 1, and I I can't make you listen, but this is, this is God's Word, so we're going to read God's Word together. Uh, verse 1, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. So the crowds are pressing in. And Jesus gets out on a boat, out on the water's edge. Basically, the shoreline and the water's edge, the sloping shore, made for a nice amphitheater, and he was able to address the whole crowd. So he kind of pushes out on a boat to address the crowd, and he says, verse 2, he taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was <coughs> scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some, ti- uh, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So he taught them in parables. And so that we're all on the same page. A parable is a short moral storage story with symbolic meaning. A short moral story with symbolic meaning. Uh, also, most parables, just so we, we're clear here, most parables were comparisons. Something was placed alongside something else for the purpose of clarification. Let me put that in our terms. If you ask me what does rabbit stew taste like, first of all, I don't really know. But if I did, I'd probably be like, it tastes like chicken. 
That would be a parable. Rabbits do taste like chicken. Okay, so something placed along something else for clarification. That's what Jesus was doing. But he teaches this parable. Parables were nothing new. The rabbis would do it. The rabbis of those days would teach parables and parables because their messages were highly political and they didn't want the government to come down on them. So they kind of taught in parables so the government wouldn't know exactly what they were saying. But Jesus' parables were highly spiritual. And Jesus, in giving this parable, he speaks their language. He talks about things that are common to them to gain their attention. Uh, Today, if Jesus was here, he'd probably be like, the kingdom of God is like the front range, or the kingdom of God is like I-25, something that we could relate to, right? So that's what Jesus is doing. He's, He's telling a parable of a farmer who's planting his crops, something that would be highly um, common with with the people listening. And he says, uh, he gives this parable, but interestingly enough, he doesn't compare it to anything. A parable was a comparison, but Jesus doesn't give us anything to compare it to, except at the end of the parable, he ends with, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And that's where we find our comparison. See, some would have walked away thinking, well, thanks, Captain Obvious. You know, I sow my seed on the rock, it's not going to grow. I sow sow my seed on the soil, it's going to grow. Some people are walking away thinking, okay, whatever. Others might be thinking, oh, the next time I need to be more intentional where I sow my seed. But some would have heard Jesus say, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And they would have thought back to that time that they were sitting in synagogue and heard a similar phrase. You see, today we have chapter and verse. You know, I'd say, I'd, I'd give the parable and then say, okay, for further study, turn to Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. But Jesus, because he doesn't have chapter and verse breaks, he gives them a reference. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And for what it's worth, the person who wants to dig deeper will dig deeper. The person who doesn't want to listen to Jesus' message, they're going to be like, okay, whatever, and they're going to walk away. But what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, for further study, check out Isaiah 6. Check out Ezekiel 12. And so they would know. They would, they would immediately be like, I've heard that before. Where was that? Where was that? And they would, if they wanted to understand, they would go there. You see, in giving, instead of giving them the comparison, Jesus was pointing them to another passage for clarification. For those that really wanted to understand this parable, they would have to dig deeper. The same is true of each and every one of us. If we want to understand what God is telling us in the Bible, we have to dig deeper. We can't just be superficial and, oh, I need to read my three chapters this morning and read it and walk away. You won't walk away with anything. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear God speak to you? I I take a class through a book on Sunday mornings. It's called Experiencing God. It's it's about knowing and hearing and doing the will of God. And, And part of the deal is God speaks to people. And we can hear what he's saying. But are we willing to hear what he's saying? So often we refuse to listen because we're blinded by our sin. We start to say things like, well, I know what the Bible says, but God knows my heart. Or, 
you know, I, I know what the Bible says, but God wants me to be happy. You know, it, I heard somebody chuckle. And as I say that, as it comes out of my mouth, it, it sounds silly, right? Because this is God's word. How arrogant of me to assume that God wants me to be happy or to assume that I can get away with sin because oh, God overlooks it or God does, God's not concerned with it. We're, we've done that, though. We let sin blind us so we can't hear what God is saying to us. <laughs> if you're in that place this morning and you're reading the the Bible, and you think God wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise? That's not the Bible. That's Benjamin Franklin. He's dead. So, but God left us his word. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us what to do teaches us to do what is right. Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you don't want to or refuse to listen, then why are you wasting your time here this morning? Because sitting in a church service doesn't save us. It, it doesn't. I, I believe that America is full of churches with people that think they're saved because they've attended service or they've given to a church or they serve at a church. It's not what saves us. A personal relationship with Jesus is what saves us. Do we have ears to hear? Do we listen when God's Word is taught? Do we read our Bibles with the intent of conforming to it? Conforming to correction when giving. Conform to direction when given. Do we have ears to hear? So Jesus tells this parable. He gives a verse reference, and everyone gets it, right? Well, verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. The twelve and the others, instead of looking it up for themselves, they ask Jesus for clarification. And he says, the secret of the kingdom of God or the mystery of God's redemption, redemptive plan has been given to those, to you. But to those on the outside, they don't get it. Now, this does not imply that the gospel is only for a select group. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And if you're not chosen, you don't get in type of thing. That's not what, this, that's not what Jesus is talking about, no. Well, Jesus makes this statement because he's referring or referencing another passage. It is the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy about the coming Messiah. In Ezekiel 33.30, I believe this is what Jesus is referencing. He says, As for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, Come, hear the message that has come from the Lord. So, the prophecy. People are coming from everywhere to hear what Jesus is saying. Uh, My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words. 
but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than the one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well. For they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. There are those on the outside because though they hear the word, they rebel and are not forgiven because they do not put them into practice. The point Jesus is making is some have chosen to rebel against God and to not listen, to not heed his word. And to those people, God, it seems, has solidified their decision. They will not turn. They will not be forgiven. The disciples are not on the outside because to them was given the secret of God's redemptive plan. What does that mean? It means that his disciples were given special insight to watch, to hear, to partake in Jesus' earthly ministry. In fact, the Apostle John will later write in 1 John, We proclaim to you Jesus whom we've heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He was revealed to us and we've seen him and now proclaimed him. The secret revealed is Jesus Christ. And that's who John later says, we proclaim to you. We saw him. They saw Jesus. They heard him speak. They witnessed the miracles. And to them was revealed God's redemptive plan. They were on the inside because they had ears to hear, willing hearts to conform. There are two types of groups listed. Those who, to whom the secret of the kingdom has been given and to those on the outside. The secret is for those with ears to hear. God's not going to force salvation on to you. God's not going to force me to get saved. His will is that all receive him and get saved, but he's not going to force anyone to do that. And so those who rebel are those who have chose not to, chosen not to listen. Is that anyone sitting here this morning? If that's you, please listen to God's word. Please repent today. Turn while time is still here. The Bible says that God's desire that none would perish. That's why he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins. And whoever believes will not perish but have eternal life, right? We know that verse. That leaves us personally responsible for the choices we make. Are we going to be like those who rebel and reject God's offer and perish? Are we going to, be, are we going to accept God's offer to be forgiven and receive eternal life? Those, that's the choice that's up to us this morning. And I tell you from experience that the condition of our heart plays a large part in which choice we make. And we're going to look at that. Verse 13, Jesus then said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? I believe Jesus is saying that this parable kind of sets the stage for the rest. Let's look up those references that Jesus alluded to. Um, I'll, I'll read them. Isaiah 6, real short verses. Isaiah 6, 9 and 10 was the first one. Uh, it reads, Go tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding. Be ever seeing but never perceiving. 
Make this heart of this people callous. Make their eyes dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn and be healed. In Ezekiel 12, 2, they have eyes to see but do not see and ears to hear but do not hear for they are a rebellious people. This parable, if we go by them two verses, this parable Jesus is saying is about the condition of the heart. There are those who are rebellious. They may have ears to hear, but they refuse to listen. And then there are those that hear, receive the word, conform to it. It's been said that the fault lies not in the message, but in those who hear it. Personal responsibility. If we don't realize the call to personal responsibility in this parable, and and the personal responsibility... (laughs) that's summed up in the phrase, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear, then we won't understand the parable of the lamp. We won't understand the parable of the growing seed or the parable of the mustard seed. You see, there are four basic responses when people hear the gospel. Some are hard-hearted, some are shallow-hearted, some are distracted, and some are open and receptive. The word, as the Word of God is preached and taught and read, it is up to each one of us how we respond. The condition of our heart determines how we respond to God. And this plays out in so many other parables as well. If you know any of the parables, the heart, if a heart is hardened towards God, they will not see their condition and return to the Father as seen in the parable of the prodigal son. Or if a heart is open and receptive, it will listen to and heed the command of God to love your neighbor as seen in the parable of the Good Samaritan. See, the condition of the heart, condition of our heart, plays a large part in how we receive or how we move forward with Jesus. How people respond to the gospel is the key to all the parables. So now Jesus is going to explain the meaning of this parable to his disciples. Verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word which was sown to them. The farmer here is God. The word is the gospel. The message that is being sown, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us because he is unwilling to leave us where we are. Uh, where the seed is sown is the condition of the heart. So the, God sows the seed, and the condition of the heart is how it's received. The first is likened to a pathway, which is the hard heart. The seed cannot penetrate the soil, and as soon as it's sown, Satan immediately, immediately takes it away. Okay? Uh, verse 16, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they do not have root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The rocky places is the shallow heart, the superficial heart. There's very little topsoil for the seed to take root in. And since there's no root, when trouble or persecution come, they quickly fall away. It speaks of a person who has gone back to their old ways, to the old life, Jesus came to rescue them from. And without any roots, I mean, what do you expect, right? It's not going to last. Verse 18, 
Still others are like seeds sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The seed is sown among thorns. It's strangled. It's the distracted heart. Too many other things distract the seed from proper growth and ultimately choke it out. This heart is so busy with the concerns and the pleasures and the desires of this life that it has little time for God. Three things choke out the gospel, Jesus says. The worries of this life or the cares of this age. Worries of this life. Which ultimately is a lack of trust or a lack of faith in God. Uh, the second thing that will choke out the gospel is deceitfulness of wealth or deception of wealth. This is a false trust or a false hope in oneself. And then the desires for other things. Basically, the remainder. Uh, this is a lust or a craving for everything else that wasn't covered in the first two. All of these things are in direct conflict with the great, greatest commandments of God. Remember, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. A second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. These three things are in direct conflict with God's commandments. Because if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, you won't be worried about the things of this world. You won't be deceived by wealth. And you won't have a lust or evil cravings for everything else. Because you trust God. Because you love Him. Because you love your neighbor. Because your focus is on loving God and loving others. The thorns come in, these thorns, these things that choke out the gospel, make it unfruitful, useless. In, in America and even in the world today, there's this thing going around calling the decon, called the deconstruction movement. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's a movement, it's gaining ground, where Christians deconstruct their faith. Basically, they talk themselves out of believing in God. And they will start to refuse to listen to one little piece of the word. Or they'll start to, oh, that can't be true. These little things will come in and choke the word out. And I believe that this is where the de deconstruction movement starts because we get so worried about other things. We get so deceived by wealth and we have cravings for other things and, and and so many people I asked in the beginning why do you follow Jesus I believe so many people have followed Jesus for the wrong reasons and when that didn't play out for them when when they couldn't yank his chain to get him to do what they wanted him to do they fall away they're choked away by the worries of this life it's an arrogant place to be when you start trusting in yourself or trusting in your riches or desiring things other than God. It's a dangerous place to be. And it's one where it's fertile ground for weeds to grow. But there's one more type of soil. Uh, verse 20, others like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some a hundred times what was sown. The good soil is the person who has ears to hear and hears. It is an open and receptive heart. 
one that hears the gospel, listens to it, and accepts it and responds in conformity. This is what it means to have ears to hear. This is what Jesus is talking about. And this is what Jesus is calling each and every one of us to have today, that type of heart where you're receptive, where God's word can sink in and build deep roots in your soul. The word that is sown in the open and receptive heart will take root and will bear fruit. This is the only one that is said to have borne fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sold. So, interesting though, not all seed on good soil produces the same yield. So what affects the yield of the crop? I think you have a verse. Uh, I'm going to read John 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It's God who sows the word, and it's God who causes the increase. Our only responsibility is to remain. The amount by which we remain determines the yield of the crop. That's what Jesus said. That's not my words. That's what Jesus said. All we have to do is remain, to let Jesus' words and the Word of God take up residence in our hearts. That's what it means to remain, that we allow Him to take up residence in our heart, to abide with us, when we abide with Him, living with one another. But if it's that simple, why don't we? If all we have to do is have Jesus' Word remain in us, and why don't we? Again, the question needs to be asked, why do you follow Jesus? Why do I follow Jesus? Do I follow to get stuff? Or do I follow to bear fruit for God? When I speak of fruit, um, some people are like, well, I, I don't, I'm not good at witnessing. Or I'm not good at disciple making. Well, that's... Not necessarily the fruit that the, the New Testament speaks of. In Galatians 5, verse 19, Paul gives us a comparison. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, je jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. But if the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in our lives, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What kind of fruit is being produced in your life? What kind of fruit is being produced in my life? Outbursts of anger or joy? Jealousy or faithfulness? See, when I abide, when I remain in Jesus and God's words remain in my heart, then the Holy Spirit will produce this kind of fruit in my life. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. I I saw this quote earlier today. It says, it's one thing to proclaim Christ as Lord of your life. It's another thing when your life actually reflects Christ being Lord of your life. This is what it means to have ears to hear, to listen, to allow God's Word to work in our life, to cause conformity. Now, I want to bring up something because oftentimes when we read this particular parable, the normal thing to do is to judge others' salvation or to judge my own salvation based upon what soil I assume their heart is. That's not what Mark is getting at here. It's not the point of this passage. The point that Mark is making is self-examination. What is the condition of my heart? What, is the, what type of soil is my heart? Do I have ears to hear? Am I unwilling to hear? Am I willing to hear and conform? Is my heart hard? Is it shallow? Is it crowded with thorns? What is the condition of my heart? I mean, you can, you can make a good assumption of what happens to the heart with the hard soil or the shallow soil or the um, distracted soil. You could make a good assumption. We're all, we all have brains here. We could, we could assume what happens eventually to that type of person. But Paul warns Timothy in 1 Timothy, Timothy, hold on to the faith and have good conscience which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Paul says, hold on to the faith. Don't follow these others who've shipwrecked their faith. Hold on to the faith. Let Jesus' words remain in you so your faith isn't shipwrecked. But the main point of this passage is, what is the condition of my heart? Self-examination. You see, scriptures say God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we're proud, then our heart will be hard. It will be shallow and it will be distracted. But if we humbly come before God, the Bible says that He will build us up. Or to use Jesus' terms in this parable, He will produce a crop, yielding 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. What is the condition of my heart? This is for personal reflection. There was crowds following Jesus. And the question was, why do some follow and some fade away? This is why, the condition of their heart. What is the condition of our heart? Verse 21. He said to them, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand for whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So what is the proper use of a lamp? 
Do we extinguish it or do we let it shine to bring light to the whole room? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Meaning that Jesus is the light. And what do we do with Jesus? Do we put him under a bed or under a bowl to be extinguished? Or do we let him shine and light up our path? In other words, has Jesus made a difference in your life today? Are you allowing Jesus to make a difference in your life? Again, he says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. To just hear about Jesus doesn't mean that you've accepted him. Remember, those who don't hear have rebelled. What you do with Jesus is totally and personally up to you and me. Verse 24, consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And even more, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Jesus says, be vigilant in what you hear. We are accountable for what we hear. Conventional wisdom says that each person is only accountable for what they do with what they've originally been given. But Jesus takes it one step further. He says that if a person doesn't heed and respond to the word they received, they would not receive any more. That seems a little harsh, but let me put it like this. It's kind of like this. Say you and me go and get a gym membership. And we're going to go meet up as many times as we can, and we're going to work out, and we're going to better ourselves, okay? And you, you start going, and you're there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you're doing your, your stuff, and, and you're noticing that you don't run into me that often, okay? And so, but then, all of a sudden, you see me. I'm there one Monday morning. Hey, how's it going? Oh, good. How are you doing? Okay? And then you don't see me for another month. Then you realize that I'm only there the first Monday of every month. And if you have a Planet Fitness uh, membership, you know that the first Monday of every month is pizza day. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? So, we both signed up for the gym membership. You go regularly, and it's starting to show. I go once a month for the pizza, and it's starting to show. <laughs> so, see, the one who uses what they've been given becomes more proficient. Or the one who works out gains muscles and definition. But the one who does nothing only continues to lose any muscle or definition that they already had. That's what Jesus is speaking of here. Spiritually speaking, those who, who take a little bit of knowledge they've been given and embrace it and believe in it and run with it and apply it to their lives will be given more. But those who neglect or despise or rebel against it will lose the little bit that they had. You're not going to gain muscle by going once a month to eat pizza. You're not going to get much out of God you're not going to get much out of church or much out of the Bible opening it once a month or once a week to get your pizza. Generally speaking, it will be snatched away. For others, it will fall away, or for others, it will be choked away. Verse 26, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the, seed, the soil produces grain, 
First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts sickle to it because the harvest has come. The condition of the soil determines the outcome. The condition of my heart determines what I get out of, God, out of the Word of God and out of God. See, the farmer scatters the seed almost without caution. The first parable, he's scattering seed everywhere. Kind of what God does with the gospel. He scatters to everywhere. Jesus came to die for the sins of the whole world. The farmer scatters seed without caution of where it might land. Seed is scattered everywhere, but the only place it grows and produces a harvest is in good soil. If this doesn't scream personal responsibility, I'm not sure what does. It's not my job to make you produce a crop. My only concern is to remain with Jesus so that the condition of my heart remains favorable for growth. The condition of the heart is totally up to each one of us. Now you may say, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know the hurt I've felt. You don't know what this person did to me or that church did to me. You don't know. You're right, I don't know. But what I do know is one day when we stand before God, I cannot play the victim card. You cannot play the victim card. God says you will give an account for your life and you won't be able to blame your rebellion on somebody else. You won't be able to point at anyone and say, it's their fault that I didn't listen. At some point, we need to stand up and take personal responsibility for our own decisions. We need to stand up and take personal responsibility for the times of having ears to hear but refusing to listen. It's time to take some personal responsibility for the compromise of allowing ground that weeds can grow in or hardening our hearts. It's time for personal responsibility. Instead of being concerned about what others are doing, concern yourself with the condition of your heart. It's my responsibility as a pastor to have studied this passage. I, I've known I was going to teach this passage for about two weeks, so I've, for the last two weeks I've been studying this passage. I've been reading over it and reading over it with the intent of conforming my life to what God's Word says. That's my job. As a pastor, this should change me before I ever dare take this pulpit to, to preach it to you. And so that's my job. Now, this morning, your job. You're here to listen to what God is saying to us. We're all equally responsible in this. Do you have ears to hear? Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. The hearing and the heeding is our responsibility. What type of soil have I allowed my heart to become? Do I listen? Do I heed God's word? Is my heart in a place of conformity to what God is calling it to? Verse 30. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that birds can perch in its shade. Jesus says, how can I describe the kingdom of God to you? 
The gospel message, he's been saying, has been sown on good soil. So the kingdom of God would be likened to a plant that grows from a small seed to a very large plant in good soil. And they would, they would understand this reference because they're standing by the lake there. And it's said that around that lake, these mustard seeds, which they're little tiny seeds, they get planted, they grew some 10 to 15 feet tall. They just took off because the soil was fertile for growth there. So they would have understand, understood what Jesus is speaking about. Jesus is saying, the point here is, look what can happen to a seed in good soil. This little tiny seed, look what can happen to it in good soil. It's all dependent upon the condition of the soil. When your heart is like the good soil, the harvest will yield 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. When your heart is yielded to the Word of God, He will produce a fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. When you let your light shine, it will illuminate, or when you let the light of Jesus shine, it will illuminate your entire life. Our concern is nothing other than the condition of our own heart because even the smallest seed in good soil can produce the tallest of plants. Verse 33, let's uh, finish this out. Verse 33, with many parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Again, Jesus speaks in parables so that the scripture would be fulfilled because some have already hardened their heart beyond the point of repentance. Because they chose not to listen or heed to or conform to the message. But those with ears to hear have hearts that are fertile to receive the seed that was sown. And to them, Jesus explains everything. One thing stands out to me is that a willingness to hear determines the outcome. Determines whether one is an insider or an outsider. So again, why are you here this morning? Did you come out of obligation? Did you come to appease the big man upstairs? Did you come because that's what we do? Or did you come with the intent of hearing from God and allowing him to conform your heart to his word? There's nothing in the Bible that ever suggests that God will turn away a humble heart. If you humble your heart, God will not turn you away. Those that were on the outside had hardened their hearts to the point where they no longer could be reached. What is stopping us from living a life with a heart like the good soil where we don't allow the hardness or the weeds to come in? What's stopping us from that? What would it cost us to no longer have to worry about the cares of this world or to be deceived by wealth? What would it cost to no longer have to lust after other things? What would it look like if God was producing fruit 30, 60, 100 times what was sown in our lives? What would our church look like if we allowed God to penetrate our, light, our lives like a lamp that is put on a stand and penetrates the darkness of a room and eliminate, illuminates the whole world? What would our church look like? What would it look like if we didn't treat the Bible like I treated biology class? 
Rather, having ears to hear and heed the word that God given with the intent of conforming to it. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. That phrase is said seven times in the book of Revelation. Seven times. It's in each of the seven letters to the seven churches that Jesus writes. And in each one of them, he calls them to something, and then he says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Personal responsibility. What is the condition of my heart? What is the condition of our hearts here this morning? Do we listen with the willingness to conform to God's word? Let me pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we, we come before you this morning confessing that we don't always have the softest of heart. Lord, that we've hardened our hearts in some areas. Lord, we've allowed weeds to crowd other areas. Lord, we pray that you would come in and that you would clear those areas out, that you would till up that soil to, to loosen it up, to make it more receptive to your word, Lord. Lord, forgive us for those times where we've neglected or refused or rebelled to listen to your word. Lord, we come before you this morning humbly asking that you would produce fruit in our lives. Lord, we're tired of the deceitfulness, the, the lying, the, the jealousy, the outbursts of anger. Lord, we... We want love, joy, peace, patience. We want kindness, long-suffering. Lord, we want that kind of fruit in our lives. Lord, we desire to know you more. Lord, we desire to have your word change our hearts. That's why we're here this morning, to hear from you, to learn from you, to know more about you, Lord. So we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.